Welcome to Emergence Radio Talk, where you'll be inspired and motivated by the journeys of movers and shakers from all around the world and those who are occupying and taking dominion. Emergence Radio Talk with Dr. Tavara Johnson. Welcome everyone to Emergence Radio Talk with your host, none other than Dr. Tavara Johnson. And let me tell you, I am so excited for today's show. I have a awesome man of God. I'm telling you, he's moving and shaking. He's doing some wonderful things. He's also a dear friend of mine. So I'm grateful to have him on the show today. So if you haven't done so already, go ahead and invite someone to tune into tonight's radio show because you don't want to miss it. And so I want to welcome Pastor Tasman Sutherland. I mean, he's from the Bahamas, but he's also all the way in Canada. And I'm telling you, indeed, it's a pleasure to have you here with me this evening. Good day, Doc, uh, Dr. Tavara. I'm extremely elated and privileged uh, to be able to share this platform with you and converse about uh, the topic or those things we will dive into today. So thanks for having me. And of course, thank you for taking time of your busy schedule just to come and inspire and motivate our listening audience today. But before we go ahead and get started, I want you to let our listening audience know a bit of who Pastor Tasman is. Uh, that is a very uh, it's a very interesting question in that. And when you ask, I remember uh, joining Toastmasters many years ago, and that was one of the questions that you had to do, I think, your first speech. And so, but I am, I am a husband of one wife and <laughs> father of we have three boys and an adopted daughter. And we are, we're, my wife and I, Pastor Seattle, we serve as lead pastors uh, in at Agape House Canada, as well as many persons don't know that I'm also a business educator. Um, I am a digital marketing consultant and recently added to my list of, I guess, endeavors is a peak performance coach and soon to be published author. So that's Taz in a nutshell. Well, I'm typically used to the women having so many things going on, but you seem to be loaded. I mean, you have a busy schedule, um, you know, um, but one of the things, I mean, this wasn't where I would probably ask you this question, but since you are a father, um, you know, you're a husband, you're, you know, you pastor, what are some of the ways for you in which you as a man, uh, you balance, you know, because I know sometimes it's, it's a struggle to balance when you have a whole lot of things going on. Um, and again, I mean, you could provide some advice for the man out there who may be listening and tuning in as to how they can balance, especially if they're struggling uh, in that area. Uh, you know, it's so comical. I had a conversation with a recent podcast guest of mine, and I forgot to, to mention that I'm also a podcaster. <laughs> I had a conversation with a recent podcast guest of mine and a very close friend. Uh, and one of the things that she shared with me when I asked the question is about finding balance is learning to uh, live in harmony rather than balance right um and i'm just gonna i'm gonna uh piggyback or or share take from what she would have shared with me um so one of the things that 
um, I've, I take away from what she would have shared with me in Living in Harmony is, and, and for men particularly, um, men compartmentalize many things that we do. And so it's easy to uh, leave things undone and then pick up and resume uh, where you would have left off. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, I think, I think for men, finding balance uh, often is the ability to be able to prioritize. And then in addition to prioritizing, whether it's family, uh, time with your spouse, time with studying, business or what's not, is also having selfish moments. Um, and those selfish moments would be, if I could use similar to uh, a device, those selfish moments are when you just simply shut down and plug in to those things or moments that will uh, replenish your creativity, replenish your uh, capacity mentally uh, to unwind and, you know, dive back into, and also uh, being able to lend, uh, you know, significant times to those things that are priority, your family, your health, um, as well as if it's if it's work, authorship, business, uh, whatever the case may be, that uh, you know you find you find it, or you find a way uh, to to ensure that each um, will get some level of priority. And I'll tell you the honest truth: one of the things that I've learned is uh, different days require different levels of priority, um, mm-hmm. and you know. You have to you have to be able to to uh, you know find a rhythm that says you know I can't watch uh, two three hour movies with the kids every day, right? Uh, because as a pastor, um, I would find myself if I if I uh, commit to that, I will find myself in the wee hours of the morning when I'm extremely exhausted or tired attempting to study. And then the, the question is, uh, though I'm lending time to studying in preparation for ministry, um, am I giving that my best? Am I prioritizing that? And so uh, two, one, the first is, is priority. And also the second is uh, being realistic, being realistic with your time and your energy level. Uh, because of course, if you don't have the energy level to accomplish, um, then how effective can you be? even with the things that you prioritize. All right. I mean, you gave us a loaded uh, answer, but I love that you talked about living in harmony and of course having selfish moments. I know a lot of people, sometimes we feel as though that to, to steal away, um, that means that, you know, something is wrong. Uh, and as a matter of fact, some people do say that you're selfish when you steal away, you know, but as we saw that even Jesus did that, he stealed away in those moments when he needed to do so. And so we have to be uh, mindful of that. And I love that you talked about, you know, not just taking time out, but taking time out for the things that's going to replenish you. Because some people, they take time out and then they're still exhausted, they're still tired. But what is it that you're doing to help to uh, replenish you or replenish those areas for you? So you're able to have that energy to do what you need to do. And so I think that is a Uh, I think you gave our listening audience some great nuggets that they can definitely take away, especially the men. I know the men are pressure. I know there's a lot of pressure, pressure, pressure on the men, but I love that you um, shared that, shared those nuggets. 
um, with with us tonight. And can I, and uh, permit me to share something, even in addition to that, you know, uh, culturally, um, back home, back in the Bahamas, one of the things that I would often hear individuals share is um, after taking two weeks of vacation, they'll say, Lord, I need a vacation from my vacation. Yes. And so it's, it's for many people, it's culturally uh, habitual to, to use even your downtime or vacation time or your moments of rest to engage in something uh, completely different, right? To engage in something completely different, right? And, and if, if we use that same model that, that many persons do with vacation um, in our everyday life, you find that, that people begin to go through the whirlwind of life with regard to uh, dashing to complete one task to do this. So they're leaving work to go to try and cook, to hurry, make it to church, to hurry, try and yes. help the kids with school and, and what's not. And oftentimes it's because, uh, you know, it's not even about making time for it, but it's finding how do we, how do we uh, maximize the things that we have to do with the energy level that we have to, as well as in the time frame that we have to realistically in a, in a way that, in a way that uh, when we're done, we don't feel drained or mm-hmm. we're not stealing, we're not stealing energy from one thing uh, to lend to another, um, yeah. you know, and, and at the end of the day, uh, you're, you're stuck in a tornado called life that you feel like, I wish I could, uh, you know, just press the pause button and just exit for a few days or so. You know, I think that's really good. Um, you know, being able to maximize your time because a lot of people don't know that. I know we have a song here in the Bahamas from, from a Bahamian artist that says, stop the world and let me off, <laughs> you know? And so really that's, to be honest, I believe that that's what some people are saying because they're um, they're tired, um, they're not maximizing their time and they don't know how to. And, you know, we live in a world now whereas time is going by so quickly. Uh, before you know it, the month is gone. I mean, you just, I, I, before time to me, time used to move slow, but now it's moving extremely fast. And if you're not careful, you can feel like you're getting left behind or you could feel like the, uh, the things that you desire to do or need to do isn't being completed in the time that it needs to be uh, completed in. And think about that. Think about that, uh, Dr. Tavara. Our clocks, you know, I am here in Canada and you're in the Bahamas. Our clocks did not have a conference call and said that we are going to move uh, some fraction of a second faster to facilitate the sun and even uh, our seasons. They are not moving at any faster pace, but so many people are expressing that same statement that time is moving faster, right? And I would, I would, you know throw the monkey wrench in that statement to kind of mess up or bring some uh, chaotic halt to it to suggest that time is not moving faster. Uh, But somehow we're adding uh, and piling up so many elements in life uh, to which either time has not been allocated um, or our our involvement and engagement in it has has uh, not been allocated. And one of the things that I've learned 
is uh, learning how to release some things that I've outgrown. Um, even in, in my business that there's some task that, I, that I've learned to delegate <clears throat> that I'm passionate about, but are time consuming and they're offering me diminishing returns, right? It's an economic phrase, uh, but it's offering diminishing returns that the output that I'm getting is, is not uh, the peak that I would have gotten. And so uh, I'm adding tasks, I'm adding routines, I'm adding all of these bunch of different stuff that I wanna do. You know, uh, we're now at a time frame where people are adding, I want to read three books in a month. I want to start going to the gym. I want to start doing so many things, but they did not take off of their to-do list. Some of the things that perhaps uh, can actually come off um, that I don't, that I, cannot go to uh, coffee with the guys every week simply because now that time has to be allocated for something else. And so, you know, sometimes it is our being brutal with our time and, and things to do this and saying, you know, time isn't going faster, but <laughs> I do have some things that are on my list that, you know, I'm seasons past of removing um, and you'll find that, that, you know, and you'll find that, uh, you know, your, your consistency with, with engaging in life and still feeling energized, still feeling um, as though you're receiving or, or uh, getting from whatever it is that you, you're wishing to get out of, out of life um, is being maximized. I think that's good um, that you mentioned about releasing the things that, you know, you don't need because like you say, and I do agree, a lot of us, we find, I mean, there's so many things that we pile on to do, but a lot of us may not release it. And so I love that you throw that you threw that monkey wrench in there because it, it, it really lends to, uh, I think, opening up the eyes of even for some people as it relates to them feeling that, okay, well, the time is going by so fast. So what is it that I need to I release as I put on. So it's almost like as you put on something or you take on another initiative, okay, well, you need to release that was not really uh, serving you a great return on your investment. So I think that that is, that is really, really good. That is really good. Now, of course, Pastor Tasman, you are a pastor. Um, you know, you pastor a church there in Canada with your wife, Seattle Sutherland. And one of the things I want to know with you all how do you manage to leave during those difficult times? Because we're living in a time where, you know, we're, we're in a pandemic. People just have so many things that's going on. They have so many fears, so many concerns, um, so many questions. How do you um, manage during that difficult time, especially for those who may be listening in now, um, who may be in ministry? But I'm sure whether it's ministry or marketplace, um, they can still benefit. But how do you guys... Um, manage that uh, that whole process and to be able to say to people or still be able to encourage the people that, hey, uh, no matter what you may be dealing with, no matter, um, you know, whatever concerns that you may have, that God is going to bring us through. He's going to bring you through. How do you manage to do that? Uh, listen, um, the first thing, um, let me first share by saying or kind of laying a, a, laying out uh, the scenario that we are in. So in December of 2019, my wife and I, uh, November, I, she came in November, I came the following month. 
2019, we dived into lead pastors here in Agape Hills, Canada. And then in March, the beginning of March of 2020, mm-hmm. a global pandemic hit. So uh, we're leading, uh, but we're only roughly about two and a half months into leading in a completely different country, uh, isolated by family. And to, to add to that, our oldest son was only about seven. So we have three boys uh, that are toddlers from toddlers to a young boy whose oldest is seven. Uh, and we're in a completely different country with uh, a new new leadership uh, task. And then a pandemic hit. And it's not something that uh, any one of us have ever navigated through, right? Um, one of the things that, that so laying that foundation, diving into the question, one of the things that I learned swiftly, um, I remember back home, uh, I had a friend, we were, we were uh, having a conversation, we were laughing, um, and he said, in the multitude of the councils, there is safety, and that's a proverb, Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the beginning of that Proverbs, um, it says that where there's no counsel, that the people fall. It says that where there's no counsel, the people fall. Uh, and then it goes on to say that in the multitude of the counsel, there is safety. And I think uh, the New American Standard Bible says that there is wisdom. So one of the first things that I had to learn uh, or re- remind myself is that uh, you cannot do leadership isolated, that you cannot do life isolated, Uh, that even in a pandemic, one of the greatest challenges that many persons had was having to socially distance, that grandmothers could not travel to see their grandkids or or, uh, co-workers weren't engaging in everyday life because they weren't able to uh, connect with person. And for many people, unknowingly connecting with people, seeing faces, smiling, really was a coping mechanism for many persons to do life. And mm-hmm. as a matter of fact, I even think of the scripture, the Bible says, uh, God says uh, that it's not good, that God saw that it was not good for man to live alone. And yep. so uh, he put him in a sleep and created woman. And so the first thing is, I recognize that uh, leading in a crisis, and this is true in and out of a crisis, that leading uh, isolated is dangerous. Mm-hmm. But it had to have been a predecision that that I made. Um, as a matter of fact, it was a predecision that I learned even from my mentor, Apostle uh, Anthony Grant, that whenever there were decisions to be made, um, that you know he would call, hit the leaders and discuss. And even if there was a decision that was made prior to the meeting, uh, he would suggest or let us know that this is the decision that was made. And then we would uh, tear it apart. We would, rip, we would rip it or apply pressure to it. Uh, and if it, standed, if it stood against the pressure test, uh, then we know that when we went in that direction that uh, we would be good to go. But if there were uh, uh, weaknesses in the decision that was to be made, uh, then we would add value to, well, if we're going to go this way, perhaps we need to put this in place or perhaps uh, 
uh, that needs to be done. Or what if we did this, but shifted in this direction, right? Um, and so the first is, I think um, there has to be a pre-decision. There has to be uh, things that we put in place uh, regarding our leading and living. Mm -hmm. That if you're a husband, that, you know, that uh, if there's a crisis, you know, is there a savings in place? If you are a CEO, if there's a crisis, what's the strategy? Um, mm -hmm. a, a real time example is our, when we were, COVID levels were low and it seemed that we were getting it together. Um, our leadership team uh, came together and said, pass the task. Uh, here is what we're developing as an operational plan for COVID. Should someone be exposed? Should someone, uh, uh, should we go from a level one to a level three? Like these, this is the operational plan, but this was a pre-decision. Um, and I'll tell you how significant uh, having these in place is. is. Um, and I remember back in the Bahamas as a young man, uh, my brother and I, we were preparing the house for a hurricane. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he and I, we were, we had cut the wood um, to fit inside the window pane. Uh, that was the first mistake we made because we saw people that were uh, putting plywood on their windows uh, and they were using the construction uh, uh, concrete nails is what they call them. And uh, they would cut it, the wood larger than the window so that the plywood would sit and be nailed in the wall. Well, we didn't know that prior to and so we cut it, fit it in, and then we realized, okay, we have to strategize. So we hit the nail inside the window. Fast forward the story, the hurricane came and you had uh, some 100 and something miles wind, water was beating against, and it ripped the bottom of the wood from outside, from the nail outside. And so here you have this board that is uh, flapping, 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 flapping. And so my brother and I, we went out uh, to try and fix it. And here's the lesson that I learned about, uh, about having a solid pre-decision or things in place that in the middle of a hurricane is not the best time for you to put up shutters. Mm -hmm. In other words, uh, in the middle of the crisis is not the best time for you to attempt to create a plan or strategy. Uh, but prior to your being in the hurricane, prior to your being in uh, the middle of your crisis is, is the better time because you're able to troubleshoot and think things through uh, and X, Y, and Z, right? And that is so important. But uh, here is the second thing. And that is uh, that some people, even in the middle of a crisis, ch plans change. Uh, things change, dynamics change. And so one of the things that I've learned in uh, leading in a crisis or time of crisis is two, that uh, we have to uh, find the courage not to be paralyzed by what we're in, right? Um, and this is so important because even when your predecisions begin to cave because of unforeseen uh, issues that you have to be able to find the courage that you're not 
immobilized, that the organization is not immobilized, that uh, when uh, something happens to the family, that, that you're not so panicked that your ability to, to respond. Um, because can I tell you, one of the things that I've learned is uh, in the middle of a crisis, there are moments when you're able to revisit your pre-decisions, but then there are some things where sometimes where decisions have to be made immediately, right? And and your being able to to move in a time frame uh, that maximizes those moments are so significant. But uh, finding the courage to do so, and the, why that's so important is because uh, there are times when uh, there are so many things that are uh, being thrown at you that can paralyze you. Uh, if I make this decision, but I'm wrong, what happens? If I make this decision and realize that in the middle of doing it, our, our company doesn't have the financial resources to complete it, or uh, if it will it cost us more uh, to pivot this way than that way, Will everyone, when we make this decision, be on board? How do we cast the vision for the decision that we're making? It's so many things that will paralyze you uh, to be from moving. There are some people who, even in this COVID from 2020, when news were announced, there are some persons that uh, traveled since then. There are some persons that, uh, you know, went back to not life as normal, but they started to do some things with the precautions um, and COVID guidelines. But then there are some people who decided uh, they have not gone back to school. They have not launched a business again. They have not visited family and friends. They have not had coffee out, uh, outside. They have not done anything. And so life is going on, but they're immobilized or they're paralyzed because of fear. And so finding the courage. And then uh, the second thing is, I mean, the last thing, the third thing, um, and of course, there are a myriad of, of tools or, or, you know, things that would add value to leading in a crisis. But one of the third things is understanding that uh, there's always some value that comes out of a crisis. Um, if you are a Christian or a believer that you recognize that um, seasons are given to to the life of, of individuals, that there are seasons when um even, even in nature, but in our lives, there are seasons when we laugh and then there are seasons when uh, we mourn, there are seasons when we are uh, engaged and then there are seasons when there is no uh, business, there is no anything. And so recognizing that uh, in the middle of a crisis that it is seasonal, um, but there's value in it. Can I tell you, uh, Doc, that uh, there are some persons that became, that, that transitioned from thousandaires to billionaires with a B um, in a crisis. There are some people whose business uh, for about 15 years, 10 years, uh, they were trying to make sales pitches and the crisis was the catalyst uh, that thrusted them into a wealthy network, a financial position of wealth. Um, and so uh, the thing that I've learned is that and and the late Dr. Miles used to say, you know, you are valued by the problems you solve. And so, in the middle of the crisis, um, and it's it's not trying to be capitalism, but capitalist, but uh, it is finding that 
when pressure is being applied to Taz's leadership. Uh, will I be crushed or will diamonds be produced? And I've learned that uh, the people who, who uh, I'm surrounded by and even those who I am serving my gift to, um, I think they'll find value when diamonds are produced much more than uh, sand is. So. <laughs> I totally, totally agree. Um, you definitely said a whole lot, but in listening to you uh, lay a foundation it's safe to say that you guys were, really, you know, what we call baptism by fire, <laughs> you know, and I find that, believe it or not, we don't like it, but, uh, you know, sometimes it can be hard or depending on how we look at it, but I feel like sometimes being, having that baptism by fire, it's almost like a crash course. It's almost like, you know, um, an accelerated learning experience. And so I would, I would admonish anyone who may be listening in tonight, if you are in that place or that season, uh, take away the nuggets from it. Look to see what lessons that you can learn from it. You know, and one of the things I love that you shared, you talked about, you know, uh, leadership not being isolated because sometimes some people, they like to, you know, try to do their own thing. There's no counsel, there's no mentorship. And, you know, we, at least we'll talk about that in a little bit in terms of the value um, that you see in, in, in mentorship. But some of the things that I've, I've got from listening to you talk is that as a leader, you need to be flexible. Um, you need to be decisive, not indecisive, <laughs> you know, uh, because of course, you know, like you mentioned that change, that uh, plans can change even in the middle of what you have going on. And when we look at the pandemic, we will see that, you know, even with the CDC, okay, one minute is this, you know, they think this is what it's going to be. Then they come around and they change something. So, you know, that in itself let us know that as a leader, when you're leading anything, that uh, change is going to happen, even with you having a contingency plan, but at least you need, like you mentioned, you need a contingency plan uh, to go with. And of course, there's value out of crisis. No, no one likes to be in a crisis. Crisis is uncomfortable. Um, it just don't feel good. But, you know, when you mentioning that, you know, there's value in it and being able to cast that vision. So as a leader, once you would have made that decision, now how can you go ahead and communicate this vision to those who you're leading. And so I believe that, you know, everything what you said is really, uh, is really great. You're really dropping some, you know, some awesome nuggets. And I know that those who are listening in tonight, that they are being blessed. Now you talked about having, you know, uh, wise counsel. You talked about Apostle uh, Tony Grant and, you know, your leaders have been, you know, uh, just people around to help what would you say to those who may be listening in, especially, um, I want to say even emerging leaders who are listening in and who feel that, you know what, I got this, but I don't need nobody to tell me anything. What, what would you say to them in terms of the value of uh, having, uh, not just having, but even having an, an maintaining mentorship or, or someone who's coaching you? Um, well, I could, I'll first start by saying, um, any individual who um, had it says to himself and others, I don't need anyone to tell me anything, they will uh, find themselves sooner or later uh, self destructing. Um, and that is, you know, what there's a quote that is that says, you know, no one person uh, knows everything. Right. Um, and I even 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 
and approaching approaching the conversation uh many times our many times our uh you persons who may say that uh may simply be because either they don't understand its value uh they are surrounded by persons who to whom um perhaps they have not found value to be uh, inputted or three they have simply uh they're simply uh full of themselves <laughs> <laughs> um and so so that is important um one of the things that and using using this pandemic one of the things that that um i found is that that you know john wrote in the in his letter he says old men i write to you because you know the way uh, he says young men i write to you because you are strong uh, and there is a a space uh, a field i would call it where the coexistence of the old men and young men are, is necessary that uh, there are some there are some uh, places that I want to go and navigating to its success is not impossible, but it's easier if you if you help me or assist me in telling me how to get there. Uh, old old men, it's necessary because as I am finishing the journey, uh, being able to find and utilize the strength of the younger generation in maximizing. So a good example is I was conversing with someone uh, in, in the US and we were talking about uh, social media and being able to maximize their platforms and all this bunch of different stuff. And they shared with me, they said, you know, um, I had someone that was trying to get me on to do my live broadcast on social media for several years and, I did not, I had no interest in it. Um, and then the pandemic came, of course, everybody um, <laughs> shifted in that direction, right? Um, that was an, a mature or older person who was being mentored or poured into with regard to social media um, and how to maximize uh, her platform. And so now she's broadcasting in Africa, even though she's in uh, the US, and she's reaching more people internationally, that she has never traveled or her feet have never landed. And so here is the the power of old man and young man uh, coexisting in a field to accomplish the success. Uh, me as a young man, one of the things that I've found is that uh, having Apostle Tony as a mentor was so significant because one, uh, he would he would uh, nudge me, push me, and even provoke me uh, to discovering gifts that lie dormant in Taz that I had no interest or knowing existed. Right, and uh, one of the things that was is so significant, not just in my serving as a lead pastor, but my uh, leading as a husband, as a father, uh, leading and just living life. Uh, he would often walk up to me and he would say, what is the Lord saying? And I remember being about uh, 19, 20, 
hear him ask that question for the first time and my heart racing and me asking the Lord to forgive me because I wasn't <laughs> sure if, he, if the Lord was showing him uh, some of the sin that was evident or was not. <laughs> and, uh, but he would ask. And this is something that he's asked me, you know, even, even to this 2022 uh you know he called me one day and he said what is and he didn't greet he didn't greet by saying hey he called he he, he normally when he called he said hey kid uh but he didn't say hey kid he, you know he didn't say hey anything he just I said hey uh pops what's up and he said what is the lord saying and my heart started to flood <laughs> like I was that same 19 20 year old kid right um but I'm gonna tell you what what that did to me um in a conversation we were having and I said, you know, did you know that this is what the Lord was saying? And he said, yeah. And I was trying to figure out how long it would take you to know. And I said, well, why didn't you simply say that this is what you were hearing the Lord say? And he said, uh, because if Taz hears God speaking, um, and this was answering the call to pastoral leadership, and I'm going to tell you how the first question ties into this. He says, if Taz hears what the Lord is saying, when pressure comes, mm -hmm. uh, you would go to God and ask the Lord, uh, you know, to help you navigate. He said, but if you heard Apostle Tony say, he said, when pressure comes, you will run to Apostle Tony to help you navigate. He said, and it's better you speak to God. He said, because if God says you're less likely to walk away from it. Uh, and that was, I was in the Bahamas going through training. Um, and then of course, two and a half months into leading the pandemic, all, the pressure of all the mother pressure <laughs> of all pressures. Um, but it was because I heard apostle, apostle uh, lingering voice in my ear for more than uh, almost 20 years say, ask me, what is the Lord saying? What is the Lord saying? When pressure came, the first thing I did was I bowed my head to find out, God, what are you saying, right? And that is what a mentor did. A mentor assisted me in navigating, uh, you know, at one of the, the principles in life of being able to find resolve or, or seek God uh, in moments that matter most, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and of course, this is this is one principle of many principles that are relevant, um, you know, even with, uh, with regard to my business, same mentor, um, because he was in banking for many years, but he's also been an entrepreneur. And so there were times when he would say to me, Taz, um, as an entrepreneur, one of the things you need to, to commit to is follow through. Mm -hmm. so, so mentors are significant because uh, they help you navigate uh, not only where you want to go, but they help you navigate uh, sometimes in areas that are uh, areas of giftedness that you don't see um, and help you navigate in things that um, are relevant and to your life that perhaps you can't see uh, will benefit you, but you appreciate uh, their assisting you, not telling you, but assisting you in navigating these uh, moments simply because uh, they lead to a place of success, right? Yeah. All right. Well, you know, I think that is good that you mentioned that, um, you know, it helps to, or they assist you. Because sometimes I think some people, when they go into mentorship or having someone to mentor or coach them, they're looking for them to tell them what to do, you know? And so 
you know, and thinking that, okay, well, if they tell me what to do, I don't have to think for myself. I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't even have to do the work, but not realizing that there's still work in that. And so I love that uh, the way how both of your mentors, how they deal with you, like they ask you questions, like you say, that they provoke you to discover the things that uh, you don't know what's there or what's even lying dormant. And so uh, I'm glad that you you made mention of that. So those who are listening in tonight, that they would know that this is some of the things what a mentor does. They don't just tell you what to do, you know, but I, one of the things I really love that you said that um, Apostle Tony, uh, he asked you, well, what is God saying? You know, even though he knew, but as I give like, you hear it yourself, then you are less likely to walk away from it because uh, when you talk about doing things that God has called you to do, hey, if you're not careful or if he didn't tell you, you could say, you know what, you know, you may want to walk away. And even when you know when God is saying stuff to you or he has called you, there are times when you still want to walk away, but you're like, well, I know God called me, so I really have to finish, follow through with, with what I know he's calling me to do. <laughs> and we would be in good company of even the the patriarchs of the Bible, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Abraham doubted God and his wife laughed uh, yeah. when when God asked Samuel to anoint one of Jesse's sons Jesse the patriarch of his family uh, thought he had it figured out um, and Samuel was bewildered because he had he was you know surely thought that the first son and if not the second or the third uh, that he had it figured out. There was there was times when uh, Moses leading the people of Israel never navigated something like this before uh, and couldn't figure out, right? Or even when God would have said to uh, Gilead or any of the many prophets, um, yeah. Jeremiah, that that the Bible is filled with, with counts of times. And so I say that to kind of suggest that, you know, we give ourselves the grace uh, that even when God is saying um, that, you know, yeah. other men who have gone on to be great with regard to accomplishing the assignment, um, you know, that uh, they started for, for the most part where many of us are, where, you know, you question, well, <laughs> I hear you, but I don't know. This is a comical <laughs> one. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's really good. Um, you know, we talked about a lot tonight uh, in terms of like bridging the gap, leading change, um, especially in a crisis, being able to give ourselves grace, um, the value of mentorship, having a plan, a contingency plan, you know, not leading in isolation, uh, you know, seeking or having great counsel. So I believe, I mean, tonight was definitely full. Um, well, of course, you know, you're going to have to come back at some point. <laughs> you know, so we can have some more discussions, but you know, with us saying or with you saying all of those things, uh, I want to know any final advice about leadership uh, that you would, you know, want to give to others in terms of uh, that would help to assist them on their journey. Anything that you probably didn't say before that you think now would be able to assist them that you think of, let them know uh, what tools or what they could use to be able to uh, navigate their leadership journey. Sure. Um, one of the things that I, as a final word, I would love to share is this, that uh, we, we don't become uh, tight sealed jars with regard to our leadership journey. Um, mm -hmm. I remember my son, uh, he wanted to make a, uh, a 
chocolate butter sandwich. And, you know, he was struggling to open up the jar and he had the jar in his hand and he was attempting to squeeze it. The jar um, of hazelnut butter uh, was filled with something sweet that he would enjoy, but he could not access it because the jar was so tightly uh, screwed together, right? And sometimes uh, this is how we treat leadership. If it's in an organization, because we perhaps are, are threatened by a position or a title or other gifted persons that are underneath us, that we seal tight our giftedness, uh, but rather that we find ourselves adding value to others that we uh, take persons, intentionally take persons and permit them to stand on our shoulder that they can be catapulted in the area of giftedness, whether it is mentoring a young man in church uh, so that he can be an awesome husband and father or or mentoring someone who is an abutting entrepreneur so that they can uh, uh, find and help navigate a prosperous uh, company or even the next leader that as we are growing and some of us are transitioning in seasons that uh, we're not simply just leading organizations, but now we're writing or doing podcasts or what's not, that, we've, that we commit to pouring into the next generation or or pouring into individuals so that um, the legacy we leave with regard to leadership is that um, like Apostle Tony with Taz, mm -hmm. that, you know, because he poured into me, leading in crisis became easier, not easy, but yeah. easier because of the value that he gave me that loving my wife and spending time with my children, um, as well as balancing ministry and pouring into my leaders became easier because he not only showed me how to do it, but he uh, instructed me, or I flipped that, he not only instructed me how to do it, but he showed me how to do it. Um, and so I leave you with this, that, that as you learn to lead in crisis, you know, reciprocate that that those values as you learn to find balance reciprocate and pour into someone else those balance so that when the day comes and john writes and calls your name young man i call you old man i call you because you're strong or old man because you know the way that mm -hmm. your decades of knowing the way is being poured into that generation of young men who are called because they're strong Wow, that is powerful. Um, you definitely left us with some great final words. I mean, I mean, I was taking notes all evening. <laughs> you know, I one of the things I love to I love to take notes because I'm not too big or up there or whatever you want to call it. I can't learn from people. So I love to to take notes and be able to glean myself because I'm also uh, you know, teaching or, or desiring or equipping other people, I would say. Um, and so all of this I see as your learning experience, your growing experiences. So thank you so much, um, definitely tonight for being able to join us and empower our listening audience. But of course, before you go, I want you just to share with them your social media handles, ways in which they can connect with you or stay connected with you or any um, yes. upcoming events or podcasts that you may have going on. <laughs> yes. So um, persons can connect with me um, 
by visiting www.tasmanjsutherland.com. That's T-A-S-M-A-N-J-S-U-T-H-E-R-L-A-N-D, tasmanjsutherland.com. And and, uh, connect with me by simply uh, leaving your email so that we can send you any correspondence, um, as well as... Our podcast, you can go ahead and subscribe to the podcast. If you are on social media, um, I am Tasman J. That is all of social media, Yahoo, not Yahoo, sorry, uh, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. It is simply I am Tasman J-A-Y, T-A-S-M-A-N-J-A-Y. And of course, our church, our website is agapehousecanada.ca um, and you can enjoy any of our ministry content and uh, just one thing one final thing uh, I, we are getting ready to launch um, Agape U which is our training platform um, discovering your area of gifted um, giftedness and so we're doing the gifts and callings of God um, leadership we're doing uh also, uh, we, we did last year emotionally healthy spirituality, uh, but now we're going to, to take that to the next, next level. Um, and so subscribe to that so that any ministry content, and of course, all of it is free, uh, discovering your area of giftedness, you know, those courses are going to be free, um, discovering your, discovering and maximizing your purpose and potential, all of it's going to be free. Um, so connect with me and I'll be, we'll be excited uh, that you would have. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, for everyone, thank you so much for tuning into the day show with my special guest, Pastor Tasman Sutherland. As you can hear, he enjoys and loves all things leadership. And so be sure to connect with him. Um, everyone, uh, we're here every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So this is the show where you will be, or we will learn to, uh, where you'll be inspired to emerge, occupy, and take dominion. So I'm your host again, Dr. Tobias Johnson. So be sure to stay connected with me on my social media handles, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, as well as Clubhouse. So we're on Clubhouse. For those who may not know, we do the Emerging Leaders Lab every Tuesday. So go ahead and join so you won't miss us when we go live at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, you can visit my website, at tovarajohnson.com and I look forward to seeing you all next week Tuesday everyone have a wonderful evening and blessings thank you Tavara you're welcome thank you for tuning in to Emergence Radio Talk for more information on Emergence Radio Talk Emergence Mentorship Program or Women to Women Mentoring Program be sure to visit www.tavarajohnson.com if you would like to be a guest on our show email us at info at tavarajohnson.com or follow us on all of our social media platforms Instagram, Facebook, Twitter and Periscope that's Tavara Johnson stay connected and updated on all upcoming events until next time thank you for joining